Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our friends at The Empanadas Box. The Empanadas Box is a small, family-owned restaurant owned by natives of Buenos Aires, Argentina. They have Argentine-style empanadas with 22 globally-inspired flavors available every single day. Looking for a suggestion? In October, they have the chicken pot pie empanada filled with braised chicken, onion, carrots, peas, and a creamy bechamel sauce. Just perfect for fall. Their empanadas are available for dine-in and carry-out, but the pro move here is actually to get a box of frozen empanadas to take home, and you can find the empanadas box in your favorite food delivery apps. Check them out online at theempanadasbox.com for more information, including catering options for lunches, parties, and more. And as a special offer to listeners to the postcast, they are offering 10% off at their Covington, Kentucky location if you mention the Post Cincy podcast at checkout. They're located at 212 West Pike Street in Covington, and I am very happy to report that the staff there are incredibly nice and the food is just fantastic. Thank you again to the Empanadas Box for sponsoring this episode of the postcast. And on this episode of the Postcast, well, we got to talk to Dan McNally, Vice President of Soccer Operations for FC Cincinnati, famously known around these parts as employee number one for FC Cincinnati. Fantastic guy. This is his actual second appearance on the Postcast. So happy to have him back talking about what the Supporters' Shield means for this club and what the future looks like in particular for FC Cincinnati. In part one, we discussed MLS Cup versus Supporter Shield, and I gotta admit, Chief has a pretty decent idea in this one. And then in part three, we casually look ahead to the Saturday match against Miami. Full disclosure, this episode is recorded before Wednesday's match against New York Red Bulls, before the trophy presentation, because we're gonna be partying with everybody else. So with that in mind, enjoy this episode of the Postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more are two gentlemen that, in a lot of ways, are also shield winners. Aren't we all shield winners? We're joined by Grayson. We're supporters. It's a supporter's shield. I think it belongs to all of us, correct? Uh, at least I can speak for me. I don't think I'm on the ISC, so <laughs> my my LLC is not on the ISC, so I, I don't get to partake in these celebrations. Um, no, that is that is the chief, and we have Grayson. Grayson, have we thought about starting our own SG just to cause mayhem with the student council body that is the ISC? Well, if there's anything that uh, being in, involved with... Uh... Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna alienate half of our <laughs> two thirds of our listeners. Two thirds of our listeners would be what nine people? Yeah. That's a lot of people. Um, eight, eight people. If there's if there's anything uh, being involved with uh, uh, le- left politics has taught me, it's it's really fun to talk about parliamentary procedure, um, to do consensus, That's to have good. big meetings with a bunch of very idiosyncratic people 
who have like very specific pet issues that are yes. the most important thing in the world to them. And everybody who doesn't share that issue is, you know, a fascist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, from my from what I've seen from um, other supporter groups around in response to, you know, comments and jokes that we've made about the shield. Absolutely. I want to spend more time with these people. <laughs> I think when it comes to supporters groups and I say this, I love all of our supporters. <laughs> I, yeah, love all of our support, I love all of our supporters groups, but um, it brings to mind Creed Bratton's quote about cults. Uh, you have more fun as a follower, but you make more money as a leader. <laughs> That feels right. I yeah. feel like we could go for a twofer and take on American Outlaws and ISC. This is a lot we could be we could be jumping into with both feet. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's worry about getting the podcast listenership up above twelve, and then we'll see what we can do. How about that? I uh, right. I like to can... aim for attainable goals. Thanks. When we have when we have more listeners than the den still has members, <laughs> uh, we can we That's can fair. we can talk. That's fair. We can we can approach it that way. Uh, no, we are recording this full disclosure before the Wednesday match against our heated rivals, New York Red Bulls. So uh, you're going to get a, a a funny version of the Thursday episode here. Uh, in part three, we will touch on uh, briefly at least the Saturday game against Miami on the road. Uh, but before we get to that. I I want to bring this up to the group because I think this is a an interesting conversation being had on the uh, on the internet these days, and it was all started by Pat Noonan, who said essentially that as they see this, the supporter shield is the more relevant trophy to be winning for an MLS side that while you know MLS Cup gets a lot of the uh, the press the soccer folks the insiders they seem to be valuing the supporter shield more and more chief as supporter shield winners and it being our coach we have to back our man regardless of what we think yes oh my god to the death <laughs> oh i will fight anyone online that chooses to disagree with pat newton right now and in fact I have. So, um, no, it's so this went a little crazy. And the, the funny thing about this debate is that there are any number of reasons you can cite for why you prefer MLS Cup as the determiner of champion versus the supporters shield as determiner of champion. But the one that kept getting like thrown around um, online as a result of this yeah. was, well, you can't consider supporters shield a true measure of championship because we don't play a balanced schedule in MLS to win it, <laughs> which for the love of God, have you seen the format of MLS cup? That's what it, it's even more unbalanced. You don't play any of the same teams anyone else does. Like, right. <laughs> like and literally. Like, <laughs> and, you know, it's MLS Cup because of that. It's it's because of just being one off games like one and done. It's way more um, way more subject to chance. Um, you have weird situations where, for example, NYCFC has MLS Cup. Only because half of Philadelphia Union got COVID yes. before the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, if your if your trophy can 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 come down to oh our our opponent all got sick one week 
Right. How can you possibly say it's a it's a better measure of who the better team is versus like eight months of yeah, it's a not quite balanced schedule. But they played everybody in the East home and home. The East is far superior than the West this year. And six or five of their six games or six of the, five of their six games against the West were against West playoff teams. Yeah. And the only West team that beat them was St. Louis at St. Louis. They either beat or tied every other Western Conference team that they played, meaning that they've beaten, you know, more than half of the uh, or a good chunk of the uh, uh, Western Conference playoff teams. Like, I don't right. know. I just the, right. bal- the balanced schedule argument would make more sense if it was like. You know, two teams in the East are one or two points apart. And right. One had a much easier Western Conference schedule like it's. It's a very, very marginal yeah. distinction that you can make only on a case-by-case basis. Not when one team played some of the you know best teams that the Western Conference has to offer and won the supporters has is, you know, what, ten points? Yeah. Still out ahead of of, of anybody else in the supporter shield race. Right. Like St. Louis did get to play the Western Conference, the worst conference. And yeah, looks pretty good doing it. But even with those advantages, we don't get to play Colorado twice. We don't get to play, you know, a beaten down and broken LA Galaxy twice. Uh, they did. And they still couldn't match our I point think total. Six, six of the top seven teams in the Supporter Shield race are in the East. Yeah. I think the number two East team is is more points than St. Louis, even though St. Louis has a game in hand on them. Right. The other thing, too, is that as they continue to expand MLS Cup playoffs, as they continue to allow more teams to be in MLS Cup playoffs, like you could sell me on this idea of the playoffs meaning something more if it was like baseball used to be, where the NL West and the NL East, one team made it from each, there was a championship game and then that team went to the World Series and like just making the playoffs was a sign of, wow, you had an incredible year. And on top of that, you beat the other team that had an incredible year. And then you went on to play the World Series against the best this other side of the league had to offer. You could truly make a claim at that point. OK, this was probably the better team. Yeah. But if you're going to allow what? What what nine teams make MLS Cup playoffs and there's a there's a play in game and then after the play in game, it's best of three and then that goes to knockout rounds. It's just everyone's in the playoffs and it's so subject to the whim of chance and fitness and who is healthy when or like you said, like half the team getting covid or, you know, diphtheria or whatever the hell is going through the locker room at any given moment. The idea that you're going to say, oh, no, that is the true measure of greatness versus showing up to work, grinding 34 games over the course of what, eight months, nine months. It's not a serious argument to say I can understand you can find flaws in the supporters shield as a measure of greatness. But to say MLS Cup playoffs is better. All you're basing that on is this weird American cultural obsession that there has to be a playoff with everything. And to that, I say, 
if playoffs aren't the right answer, and if the supporter shield isn't the right answer, I have a solution if you're all interested. Oh, God, I, I think I know where this is going. Continue. I was going to say a lottery just for you. But. Oh, hell yeah. Now we're talking. No. I was thinking. No, go no I, what I was going to say is that we get all of the soccer writers. This is where I thought it was going. And have them fill out a poll of the top 25 teams. And then you get all of the soccer coaches to fill out a poll of the top 25 teams in MLS. And then if they could agree on who the number one team is, that team is the undisputed national champion. If they can't, we have a split champion of MLS. Tell me where the flaws in the system. Yeah, that seems fine with me. What I, what I was going to say was if, if once you, so a big topic of conversation among MLS media is how expanding MLS playoffs is devaluing the regular season. The easy solution to that is just recognizing, um, as many within the league do, Sasha Kluston uh, tweeted about it today, uh, just recognizing that Supporter Shield is at least co-equal with MLS Cup. Yeah. Right? And then you can have your big expanded playoffs where anything can happen, and that's another fun cup champion as well. Right? Right. But the way to keep the regular season from being devalued is getting away from this just squeaking into the playoffs is the only thing that matters about your season. Recognizing right. that winning the league, what 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 Matt Miazga uh, on Instagram called the league title, correctly, um, correctly, is a hell of an achievement. Yes, and that's and the league cannot be devalued <laughs> if winning the league is recognized as a co-equal trophy <laughs> at least with MLS Cup and if it if it's not going to be then you do need to contract yes MLS Cup uh playoffs to the top 2 no more than 4 yeah of each conference because as it stands you could suck all year go to the end of the MLS transfer window sign Neymar and Mbappe and Virgil van Dijk as your three DPs and then squeak into the playoffs and win MLS cup. And if you do that, like if your league is set up like that, where like doing that, it, like somehow makes you like the champions of the MLS, best, the best yeah. team in MLS, that, that sucks. You got a yeah. shitty league. Like you're not a league at that point. Yeah, yeah. that never happens. There's never in the history of this league been an example of a team that waited until late in the summer window, signed a bunch of talent, is going to squeak into the playoffs and potentially win MLS Cup. That's just that's an absurd example to even cite because that would never happen. <laughs> and even if it did, it wouldn't matter because that team would not have won the supporter shield. Right. Grayson, I, I had the same thought actually listening to uh, the Total Soccer Show talk about this. And I, I can't they, believe are they this. sponsoring us now or are we just. Just giving everybody a free Whoa. plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna accidentally plug. I think the fifth most popular soccer podcast in the world. Um, Don't platform them. <laughs> another podcast where uh, we have had somebody from that show on our show. Um, the the answer to how do you value the regular season? How do you give it value? The answer is to value it. Like, stop being the MLS pundits that tell people that MLS in July doesn't matter. 
Like, you know, what I would can help? tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell you having been to games all year, including a few away games. It mattered to me. Yeah. yeah. Every step of this supporter shield campaign mattered to me. Like, so who were you? And, and this is like another thing that I've seen people talk about. Be like, they'd be responding to that Noonan video. Just like, nope, sorry. MLS Cup is more important. Um, it's not. This isn't a debate. Right. It's <laughs> it mattered to me. It matters to Pat Noonan. It matters to Steve Trundolo. Matters to Sasha Kleston. He, Might not matter to you, but you don't get to tell people how to feel. Right. Yeah. They, they you know. Central Florida doesn't get to tell us who our rivalry is. We get to decide or, who our rivalry is. Central Florida gets to decide who a national champion is, too, right. by the way. <laughs> the only problem with all this, and it also came up today, and it needs to be fixed immediately. And there were two really good suggestions about this that I, I want to shout out. Um, for some strange reason, uh, well, not a strange reason. It's because we're Americans and Americans love playoffs. Um what gets you the star on the badge is mm -hmm. winning MLS Cup, the postseason tournament of MLS. And I really do think that that's a distinction where if you called it that and like termed it what it is, it is a postseason tournament. Yeah, it is not the season. Um, well, if you were a real football head. Like like somebody who really knows who really knows world ball. Yeah, we know ball would, on this podcast. You would already understand that by calling it MLS Cup, the champion of it is not the champion of the league. It's a champion of the champion of a cup. Yeah, it's a cup tournament. Yes, it just it's a happens. Cup tournament. To, it happens to run at the end of the season as opposed to during the season, like the U.S. Open Cup or the League's Cup or the FA Cup or insert whatever cup you want to put in this spot. But I think that there is at this point that FC Cincinnati, we should be leading the charge. I think this podcast should be at the front of this charge. We should be, you know, the bannermen for this, that there should be something that you add to your uniform or that you get yes. to add to your uniform for winning supporters shield. And there were two suggestions today that I thought were fantastic about this. One was that when you win a title, you get the gold star over the badge the silver star underneath the badge that signifies that you have won supporter shield or the other alternative I thought was the shield patch on the center of the Jersey, like where the world cup patch goes. And for the entire next season, you get to have the shield patch either. They said the center of the Jersey, or I think um, Jamie from mafia was talking about having it on the shoulder, but either way, there should be something that gets added to your Jersey in MLS for the entire next season that signifies that your team won the shield. And this has, you would think this would be a no brainer because number one, it increases the value of the shield. Every game matters. The league should like that. Number two, if you make a commemorative Jersey dipshits like me, you're going to go out and buy it. <laughs> Think <laughs> like, about you yeah. The easiest way to get me to buy another FCC kit. Tell me the fucking supporters shield is going to be on it next year. I will happily drop another $120 on the authentic. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love um, that one. I also loved, uh, there was another one out there. Uh, the Supporter's Shield has in its center medallion a uh, an image of the old trophy. But then above that is a sort of like hollow star. So it's just the outline of a star. I wouldn't mind the outline of a star above the crest for the Supporter's Shield and the filled-in star I can always for forget which, which one of those means you killed someone, which one of those means that you know someone who was killed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the I like the patch and yeah. I like that I like the thing where you only get to wear the patch while you're the reigning champion I like, that a like, lot. A, like a championship belt. Yeah. Uh, which kind also, of situation. Which also fits like, with these the fact are that, the league champions currently until you're not. Yeah. And it tracks with the fact that like when you're not league champions, you pass on the shield. It's one yeah. trophy. So you pass that on. The patches get passed on and you're no longer the reigning league champion after that point. I think that would be really keen. I I love it. And I genuinely believe that people care about MLS Cup more than the other because of the stars. You get the stars yep. over the crest and on the jersey. That is ultimately what tips it in their favor. So. Yeah, and it is like a game that everybody gets to watch because it's the only game. And it's like the only yeah. time of year where there's like one nationally televised game that everybody is interested in. Um, but... Um, Another another thing that came up today on Twitter, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, I just want to acknowledge it, is a, a Tesho Akindele um, brought up, um, and you know I'm not sure how much he knows about it, because I'm not sure he won either as a player. <laughs> um, but uh, he brought up the prize money. Maybe he did, I don't know. I always get him confused with uh, Teal Bunbury. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, he brought up like, well, the league, like he agreed that the supporter shield's important and the league should like incentivize it with the bonus pool. Mm. And that caused me to go to the uh, the collective bargaining agreement. Um, and yes, the MLS Cup does have a, it's a $300,000 uh, bonus pool that, that goes from the league to the team that the team distributes in a way that the players have agreed. And then supporter shield is a $220,000 uh, bonus that is distributed among the team. Now, first of all, like on a per player basis, that's not that big of a difference. Yeah. Um, second of all, like I'm not sure that your odds of winning either are so much more <laughs> obvious that like, it would make sense to rationally prefer one or the other right, right. Like over the course of the season. Um, but like, and then the third thing is like the easiest, most immediate award that you can get during the season is the win bonus. Every game an MLS team wins, they get, I think I, off the top of my head, I think it's like $18,000 for every win that okay. goes to the team's bonus pool. So like, if FC Cincinnati wins the supporter shield and wins four more games than the at least four more games than the team that wins MLS Cup, if it's not us, then FC Cincinnati will still end up with like a bigger bonus pool than the MLS Cup champion. And you don't get a bonus for each playoff win. You mm. get it for um at least for the bonus pool. Right. Uh, there's one other thing that I'll go to in a second, but for the bonus pool, it's just MLS Cup champion, MLS Cup runner-up. Oh, okay. And runner-up, it's like 
It was like, I think like 110,000 or wow. thereabouts. Um, so it was not, it was a big drop off from MLS Cup champion. Um, but, you know, the, the win bonus feels to me like, yeah, on any, on any given day, you can win a game. Like, that's the most obvious thing to try to do. Right. <laughs> um, and then second of all, just, the, the, just to close this loop on the, on the bonuses, um, I have, in my travels, come across a few different players, uh, 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 standard player agreements yes. with, with MLS. And I looked at those, and this is a separate bonus paid by the team in the contract to that player. So that may vary from player to player, depending on the, on the negotiation. But in all of the, in all of the contracts I looked at, the bonus to the player for winning supporter shield was the same as for winning MLS cup. So at a, on a financial level, the league and the team seem to be valuing them at about the same. Generally, certainly, certainly pretty close. Yeah. And certainly not so different that it would like the one that is wild is like leagues cup. Yeah. <laughs> like the leagues, the leagues cup. Cause you get, it's like, it was like $110,000 per game, win or lose bonus <laughs> for teams participating, not per player for, again, for the bonus pool. Right. And the team has to decide among it, the players of the team decide how that bonus pool gets um, distributed, except for the wins. There is a formula in the agreement and you get a bigger share of the win bonus if you start, play or just dress. That's funny. I've got anyway. it figured out. Okay. While Grayson was talking, I figured it all out. Oh, please. All right. So you want the supporter shield to matter more, right? Yes. Okay. The supporter shield is the champion of MLS. Okay. We agree with that. Yes. Done. We're, we're, we're the whole MLS cup playoffs. It's like, what does that mean with everything like that? Hear me out on this. We get rid of MLS cup playoffs. Yeah. And okay. then the nine teams that would qualify for MLS playoffs, cup playoffs on the East and the nine cup playoffs teams that would qualify for MLS cup playoffs in the West. Those are your entrance into leagues cup and leagues cup starts playing directly at the end of the MLS season. Oh, I there love that. I love that. And then those teams all go, they play leagues cup. It will, I think if you play it that way, It'll run directly into the end of the Apertura with Mexico. So both leagues will be, you know, deep into their seasons one way or the other. And so there is no longer an MLS Cup. It just becomes your your the reason to keep watching the season if you've got a shitty team is that's your buy into Leagues Cup at the end of the year. You know, Mexico could emulate that and also send nine teams. It's about half their league as well. So I mean I don't know if you need to like add an extra team in there to even up the playoff numbers, but I think it they works out if, real nice. If, if if Mexico added twelve, okay, that gets you to thirty. You could probably make a like a make a bracket with thirty work with a few buys, right? Sure, right. I love so that, I love that because we're like thinking about like where do you play leagues cup? Like or where does that fit into three. the schedule? I don't know. Like you can figure it out, but like there's your reason. Like oh, like if you do away with because I get the re, re, the thing with MLS Cup playoffs that if you do away with MLS Cup, 
in the playoffs, then it really does like, well, why do you keep watching when your team is is mired in the middle? We don't have like the the like Champions League and Europa League to keep you interested if you're a mid-table team in the EPL. We don't have relegation to keep you interested in the bottom, thank God. But if you make it about making it into Leagues Cup, you can get rid of MLS Cup playoffs then and just go all in on that as your big postseason tournament. I love that. And I bet there's a way to incorporate that with Mexico pretty easily as well, because they'd be hitting their break, like you said, around then. Now, they do a clever thing, which I guess we could also do, which is just they do two playoffs a year. (laughs) And that's just you play everybody once and then you do the playoffs. Then you play everybody once again and you have another set of playoffs. Maybe maybe we do something like that. Like if that's the concern. That's too much. It's too, too weird. (laughs) Um, I like I like. I like Chief's idea a lot. I do. Because then you just, you have, it's a very like clean setup. You have the league. It doesn't get interrupted for a month or two, if especially at a year where there's like also Copa America or something mm-hmm. that you have to accommodate. Um, you have the league. It's its own thing. You have the Open Cup is like the only thing that they have to like really, or or Champions League, like during the first half of the year that they would have to like kind of plan around. and then just. This big extravaganza tournament with Mexico at the end of the year that gets put in, frankly, the proper place for a tournament like that, you know, yeah, as like a crowning end of year, this is going to get all the attention tournament. It's the only narrative at that point in time. Yeah. And then it would feed nicely to, you know, the winners of that and the third place finisher of that would in a couple of months time then be in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Mm-hmm. And so like it all just constantly progresses into itself. I think it would it'd be perfect. Chief, I think be, you nailed it. Is this the first good idea I've had on this show? This is incredible. <laughs> now, the one thing you will have to do, though, is there there has to be, and I will give I will give people their credit here, there does need to be some sort of formula or something to balance out the schedules a little bit. Like, at least something. Maybe your finish the previous year determines who you play next year, kind of like the NFL does. So there, there is a degree of sort of self-balancing, but... I don't know. That's the one thing that that is still getting me. Like, how did we dodge the L.A. teams? Like, I'm fine with it on some level, but like, why? With the NFL, I can tell you what the exact schedule for the Bengals would be next year. Exactly. Um, Maybe you do. But I can't do that. Maybe you do like kind of the opposite of what we already do. Where instead of playing everybody in your conference twice and then like a handful of teams in the other conference, you play everybody in the league one time i love that and then you can just have a handful of teams that maybe like a handful of like like regional rivalries that you play twice or i mean the players are complaining about games anyway just play everybody once 29 game season then you have plenty of room for leagues cup and double-legged playoffs or whatever you need to do but yeah there's no magic to 34 right and i don't want to add more certainly no 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 and cutting it down means nobody has to play through international breaks, so that's easier. It would also open up to if you wanted to do another in-season tournament to run alongside the the Open Cup, the same way they do the FA Cup and the League's Cup over and the League Cup over in Europe, like a single yeah. elimination type thing. The MLS Next Pro and MLS doing a League Cup together, and like yeah, <laughs> like you could say it's not 
truly balanced because you don't get everybody at home. Sure. But like, come on. Everybody has to play half the games on the at home. Everybody has to play half the games on the road. Yeah. I mean, if you're really focused on balance, it's unbalanced to play certain teams before transfer windows and certain teams after transfer yeah. windows. Like if you yeah, played that, Miami. That's also true in Europe. Like this, yeah. yeah. It's all it's also different if you have to go down to Florida and play Orlando in February versus having to go play Orlando in August. They're completely right. different environments. Or you right. play City the last game of the year when they've already wrapped up the league. You know, like Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's the balance argument is always going to not win unless the balance has always ignored that when you catch a certain team. Yeah. Is diff like teams are not static. It'd be one thing if you could guarantee you play everybody once before the transfer window and everybody again after the transfer window, but then there's still the, you know, the temperature issue. Yeah, no, it's silly. Um, well, we were able to speak to somebody. I'm going to quickly transition us here to part two. Uh, we were able to speak to somebody that I truly hope that fans of this team know. Uh, Dan McNally uh, was very kind enough to come onto the postcast again. If you're not familiar with Dan, Dan is literally employee number one. He's the vice president of soccer operations for FC Cincinnati, but he was literally the first person Jeff Birding and Carl Linder hired to run the team. He has had his fingers in everything. As you've, uh, you'll hear on this, this podcast and in this interview and you might have even heard it in the stadium dan is the guy who named the bailey the bailey Uh, dan is the guy that runs the mercy health training center like he is an incredibly important influential person in this team and has played as much of a role as anybody in getting this club to where it is today winning the supporters shield and just a, a fantastic guy. We got to talk to him about uh, nearly two years ago at this point. And I will link the previous interview, which I think is fairly evergreen, in the uh, in the show notes here. So you can go back and find it. And there will be timestamps in there as well, uh, where he goes into his history, how he came over to the U.S. in the first place. Hilarious story about how he was recruited to come play in Florida. I think you'll enjoy that. Uh, but no, Dan's such a good guy. He's got some good sort of uh, behind-the-scenes stories uh, in this interview and what it really means to the the folks like him that have built this team behind the scenes. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Uh, when you're finished with the interview, we'll catch you in part three where we will quickly, I'm not even going to say preview, predict the Miami match on Saturday. So have fun with this one. This episode is also brought to you by Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning. And we here at the Postcast, we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here, and we have always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, Shirts.com, and check out using the promo code ThePostCincy, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you. Like they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I 
have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code ThePostCincy for 10% off your next order. And a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. Joining us on the postcast, an incredibly special guest to us, a, I'll say, good friend of the pod, employee number one for FC Cincinnati, the one and only Dan McNally. Dan, how are you doing this evening? Oh, very well. Thank you for inviting me and... uh... We've got things to celebrate, so this is a it's a nice moment for all of us. <laughs> feels I, like Chris feels like Christmas Eve. Yes, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, the last time we spoke, it was uh, the very beginning of last season. So the the club was still at a uh, an inflection point, a, a moment of change in the club's history, and we have now got to see the fruits of that change. I did. You're a very optimistic gentleman, Dan. I Did you expect it to go this good this quickly? I don't think anyone could have imagined that we'd win the Supporter Shield in year two of the, <laughs> the change in, in leadership on the, on the soccer side. I think we all felt confident that we'd made really good hires. Um, the GM, Chris Albright, and then head coach, Pat Noonan, they brought in a great group of assistant coaches, and um, we all felt confident that we would, um, you know, steady the ship and then improve and then make the playoffs and, and be very competitive. I think we all, we all really believe that we, we, cause with the infrastructure was kind of there in place behind the scenes for, for success. Um, but this year has been an unbelievable season. Um, we got off to a great start. We, we looked really good, really quickly. And, I think it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's a shock, but I would say to be winning the Supporters' Shield so convincingly is, uh, I can't say I expected it. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected it or, I I don't know, man. Like this season in particular, it's just with everything, almost every single piece of this club, as far as we can tell from the outside, maybe you have a very different perspective on the inside. Everything seemed to work. Everything hit. Like there was never a misstep outside of, I mean, if you want to quibble about how the Open Cup went, I'm I'm open to arguments. But otherwise, like this season went about as good as anybody could have possibly scripted it. What does it mean uh, for you and for this club to finally have a season that is definitely not over? Don't get me wrong. But that sort of is a, uh, I don't know, a cherry on top of all the work you've done. How do, how do you see this season? I, I mean, I think a lot of it, and and Chief. been involved in a lot of this stuff. But we we've really worked hard in all aspects of the club. I think when you win three wooden spoons, if you're not humbled by that, you won't be humbled by anything in, in <laughs> soccer. Do you know what I mean? And and yeah. I think we were humbled, and and we kind of got back to basics and and started really thinking about um, what we need to do to 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 put this in the right place and. You know, we've done really good work behind the scenes, I believe, with the supporter groups, pulling pulling the groups together and, and, and improving communication with, with the supporters across the board, which has been, I've been involved in that and I've actually really enjoyed it. I mean, it's been, felt like we brought the club back to, to the very beginnings of when we first got this started. And I think it's been a real positive. We definitely feel 
the stadium, TQL Stadium, has never been better, obviously. I mean, the, the stadium is rocking right now, and it's become kind of the home field, like, adv- advantage that we always wanted it to be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we've developed a really good culture within the club, and um, we have three campuses. We have the downtown office. We have the stadium off uh, crew as well, obviously, who are doing fantastic work. But then at MHTC, the training centre, um, it's been noticeable to me that the chemistry within the entire group, and I'm talking players, coaches, chefs, sports performance, operations, communications, everyone out there is having a lot of fun. Like there's a lot of laughter, there's a lot of smiles, and obviously we're winning games and that's part of it. You know, we're not naive to that, but it's a great work environment. And I think people are enjoying working together. And so the whole kind of thing has come together and we've had some magic this year. You can feel it. And, um, you know, for, for myself, it's just been so rewarding because as we all do, we care about this club. We we I believe we all came together to create something fantastic. Um, the players, the coaches, the, the front office, the supporters, everybody. And we kind of lost our way there for a couple of years. And it hurt. It hurt me. I'm sure it hurt everybody. But it's just been awesome just to see us, like, return to the top in a way. and. Um, I, I believe when TQL is rocking and our support is at its best, there's no environment like it in, in American soccer. So, um, yeah, just very rewarding, very proud, but just happy really for everybody. Like, I think a lot of people care about our club. It, what's, I believe it's what makes us special. And, yeah, it's uh, it's been an awesome season. I mean, the last game, the 3-0 the 3-0 win when Lucho scored that goal and it's like, oh, my word, this is like pretty good, you know? Yeah. yeah. So so I got to ask, going back to last year, was there a moment with you working in the front office and watching how things went, was there a moment when you first realized this might be something special in terms of how Chris Albright and how Pat Noonan were changing this club to get us out of the time period where, as you said, we'd lost our way a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, behind the scenes, you just, I saw how they work together. Their relationship is is strong. Um, they're, they're good with the staff around the place. So it's very, there's a lot of harmony at the training center and, and people, like I said, enjoy going to work. But I mean, obviously you could tell pretty quickly that a lot of Chrissy's signings hit and they were really strong players really quickly. Um, I remember for me, Obi, um, when when we started seeing him in midfield, he was the midfielder that, I mean, I'd always just thought we, we kind of needed for a few years in there, and, and Chris went out and got him, and um, he's been a huge difference maker. And then you see a, a Matt Miazga coming in, and, 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 and I think a great thing that Pat has done, um, and, and others as well, it's not just Pat, but the whole coaching staff, I... From my perspective, this is the best Lucho we've seen. He's we've put him in a position to succeed on the field, and he feels comfortable and he's in his electric when he plays. He's the best player in the league for me. Um, yeah, you for know, us so too. yeah, it's 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 <laughs> it was pretty apparent that we we landed on a great GM and and his and his team of of analysts looking for players, and then a quality head coach in Pat who. You know, was great right away, great personality and, and, and respected by the players. And then he brought in a and Chris brought in a great coaching assistant coaching staff. Sometimes they don't get all the uh all the love, but I can tell you that we have 
a fantastic group of coaches in our club and we're fortunate to have them. Some yeah. folks that I've been I've been thinking about these last few days are the the players who are kind of holdovers, you know, been with the team for a while, like Yuya Kubo, Nick Hagland, Alvaro Barrial, Lucho. Um have you you know, have have you seen differences with with them and some of the other folks who experience actually you know experienced those those downtimes and i feel it just feels like so great for for the people have been around to have gone through those lows and now just you know get to celebrate with the team in toronto on saturday and then again uh, in tql stadium after the red bulls game i mean yeah for me, you can you can definitely tell that some of our players who've been with us through the tough MLS years is obviously very rewarding for them. They've they've stuck with us. They've they've still always worked hard, competed, good teammates, and now they get to kind of enjoy the fruits of their labor, so to speak. And I have a lot of respect for those guys that um, have, have, have been with us right from the from the going MLS. I mean, look at Nick Hagland, the local guy, played at Xavier. It must have been tough for him in those years, right? A lot of a lot of friends and family in the area, but he's uh, he's been amazing for us, I think, Nick, in the last couple of years. And, um, you know, I'm happy for all of them. Alvaro, obviously, is, te- in my mind, is taking his game to another level and, and he he looks, you know, he's an all-star, right? I mean, he's, mm-hmm. who, who who's better than Alvaro down the left-hand side? I mean, he's unbelievable. Right, I mean, he's playing so well. Mm-hmm. The, the assists, the, the the quality he has with his free kicks and everything, and um, yeah, those those guys have. It's awesome for them. And and Lucho, I mean, I think um, he's he's a he's a great captain now. Do you know what I mean? He's he's really he's the leader of the group. And the one thing I like about Lucho personally in this league at MLS is he always trains. He always wants to play. Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. he's a yep. and, he, and he never lets you down. Do you know what I mean? I think that's a a real quality that he has. Obviously, he's a, an amazingly skillful player, and he can do all the, you know, the turns and the flicks and 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 the goals and everything. But he always trains, he always plays, he always wants to be out there, and you can see, I think, how much he cares. And and that's huge for us to have one of the, if not the best player in the league, like desperate to do well. You know, yeah, it yeah. feels so- like he's taken such a, you know, in the last two years. If you if you even look back to after the Austin. Yeah. Uh, loss last year where he uh, posted on social media about how hard he took the loss and how, you know, things were going to be different moving forward. And you add the ad he took out in the paper. And then uh, it feels like he's just stepped up so much more publicly as a leader in the team. Um, and and I assume that that's what you're describing. That you've, you've also seen that uh, behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Thing is with Lucho, from my perspective, he, he loves he just loves soccer. Like I I mean, I know my kids play against his kids for in, in local youth soccer. I mean, he's out there watching the kids play and you know, in the World Cup, where did he go? He went to the World Cup, he watched every game for Argentina, you know what I mean? Like he 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 loves it and, and uh, this is his stage now, I think. TQL is is Lucho's stage. So it's uh, it's been brilliant to see and um yeah, we've we've got a great team, great, great group of guys and uh we look strong. And how important is it for the club? Because part of the difficulty in MLS, I think that we all agree, is that if you're a really, really top-notch player, MLS is just sort of a waypoint on your career. And that's great. We want to see people get 
the best opportunities. But in terms of building the culture of a club, how important is it to have someone like Lucho Acosta around and then the club making a financial and commitment of years to a player like that so that the club identity can start to build around a player like that? It's a great question. And I think it's huge. And I give all the credit to you know Chris and, and our, our technical staff for making sure we lock in um, our best players for as long as we can because we feel, you know, uh, TQL Stadium is, is a world-class stadium, a world-class stadium. Um, MHTC, we've got training facilities that are as good as anything in MLS and we've had European clubs come over and visit with us and they're like, wow, this is, you've got some amazing facilities here and look at our support. Like, other clubs don't have what we have. We had 200 people at the airport at 2 a.m., <laughs> Um, <laughs> on Sunday morning and genuine, it, it was from the heart. And um, I, I just think we offer a, a, an experience now that this is what we kind of wanted to build, where facilities, first class, the support, amazing. The connection again with our supporters, I think is genuinely strong. We've got the right people in the room, so to speak. And I think we've become a very attractive place for players. I'm you know, when uh, the U.S. national team on the men's side, because this is where it's relevant, when they played against Mexico last year for the World Cup qualifier, they spent five days with us at the training center. And so you've got all the best U.S. national team players. It was a full squad. And they're walking around the place. They were like, this is unbelievable. And they, I'll tell you a quick story. Our head chef, Cody Kramer, who's amazing. The food at MHTC is like off the charts. Like it's I gotta watch it. I'm I'm in my mid forties now. I gotta be careful. But, um, you know, it's the way it is. But he's such a good chef that the uh, the U.S. national team wanted to take him to Qatar. He was on the list to, to, to go out with them because the you know you've got all the players like this guy. The food is unbelievable. And I guess I, I'm I'm from England, so they didn't want any part of taking me. And you know I might have uh, sabotaged from within, so to speak. But. Yeah. So uh, about the facilities, I mean, like obviously you've you've been around the block with the team, so to speak, and you went you told the story on the last episode of John Harks running out and kicking all the. You see uh, students off of the field at Nipper Field, but when you look where you are now, where you you've had the national the the you've had both national teams come here uh, multiple times. You've had uh, Chivas come here for for a um, uh, a competitive game. Now you've had some really top top quality players that draw a lot of international attention come to come to Cincinnati, and we got the the playoffs coming and hopefully an MLS cup final. I'm wondering if there's been like a marked change that you can describe to like how you're experiencing your job in maybe like a higher profile level than, than when you started, or if it's just, you know, same old, same old. Well, I mean, it is, <laughs> I just, I, you guys know me, I keep my feet on the ground. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't try and I don't get swept away with any of it. Um, but I, I, yes. I mean, when we started at Nipper, it was um, all hands on deck. I mean, we used to have to, um, our offices were, the play, the coaching offices were under the Bailey. And when UC <laughs> football started, we literally had to take all the furniture out of the offices and store them behind the Linder Center. UC <laughs> football would play and then we'd be putting the offices back together. That happened like seven <laughs> times a year. It was an absolute nightmare. Um, and so, you know, 
it was kind of like as as um, as humbling as you could possibly get it. But it was awesome at the same time. It was really fun. I felt um, as it was all happening. But now, yeah, we we're, it's it's much more professional operation now. Personally, I've got a I've got a brilliant soccer ops staff, and I have I have ten uh, people, ten staff members that work directly with me, um, and they're leaders in their in their areas. Do you know what I mean? We have. Um, Equipment, brilliant equipment guys, team administrators, player welfare, all those different things. Um, I mean, in the earliest of early days, it was me picking them up at the airport, taking them to the apartment and saying, guys, we'll see you at training at Nipper on Monday. Now we've got, you know, we do language <laughs> lessons and, and we have a we have a real professional um soccer operation now, which I'm fortunate enough to lead. And um, but yeah, uh, at the end of the day, I always tell everybody. Treat everybody good, have good manners, work hard, and that's all you need. Oh, I love it. I I love it. And I love to hear that evolution of this team that we now are able to incorporate these players from wherever in the world Albright may find them and, and incorporate them and fold them into the club. I, I'm curious for this. I'm going to change directions here a little bit for you because I think you have a unique perspective of having uh, coached in the U.S. You're from England. You've, you've been in around this team forever, as long as anybody possibly can. Uh, the team on the Supporter Shield, best regular season in the league, and yet the season's not over, and in some respects, a champion is not crowned. How do you see the Supporter Shield versus MLS Cup? Does one weigh more to you? And I am fine taking the bias of the one that we have in hand. <laughs> well, it's a really good question. I think everyone's kind of chatting about this now, right? Because it's yeah. an interesting thing, and obviously, it's just happened for us. As, a, as an Englishman, I've grown up with the league champion being the league champion, right? You you play 38 games, and, and to me, that's the true test of who is the best team in the league, is who wins the Supporters' Shield. It's it's a grind. Like, this season feels like it's been going on for a decade. Yes. Like, it's been, yes. <laughs> we've been going on and on and on, and, and it's so much credit to... Um, the players and the coaches that we, I think, have been so consistent. And that's why I think we're the best team in MLS this year, which is because we're winning the Supporters' Shield. So I think, and I don't want to speak for everybody, I think there's a certain sense on the soccer side that the true the true achievement is the Supporters' Shield. Like, I genuinely feel we are the top of MLS right now in that we have got the most points after a long, hard season. I think the where MLS Cup comes into it is that's where it's more glamorous. It's the playoffs. It's it's going to be the huge event on national TV if we're fortunate enough to make the final. And I think that is ultimately the ultimate championship, right? Championship, right? It's MLS Cup. But I think on the inside of the team, I'd argue that the league is like, it's a grind. I mean, it's you guys have been go on the road. You, you, we go to the meetings and... We've been doing this for like eight months now. Like it's been a long season. Yeah, you. Uh, it's always funny, like going back to the first photos of the season, <clears throat> and I, I see myself like bundled up with a coat with a thick scarf, and you go through the summer. It's the lightweight scarves are coming out, the shorts, the t-shirts, yeah. and now we're we're gonna finish this season back in coats, probably again. It's yeah. you you experience the entire gamut of midwestern yeah. weather through this season. It is, yeah. and and I and I think that there's a certain someone down in Miami who may be discovering now just how hard it is the. Grind is in this league yeah. 
compared to leagues yeah. where your travel responsibilities may be a little a little lighter, shall we say? Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, MLS. The one thing I think we've learned as a club is that it's it's a long season. It's a grind. Health and and the the kind of like the nutrition and making sure there's recovery. And I think for for our season, some of those guys are the unsung heroes, the sports performance guys, because we've got a strong and healthy roster right now. And and again, I think that's all part of it is the training center, the facilities we have. Uh, the food we have, the cafeteria, all those things have finally come together and puts us in a in a really good place. But I had a tough summer. I uh, I started wearing this blazer and a shirt early in the season. We kept winning. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I keep wearing the same thing. So it's like 99 degrees and everyone's looking at me like I'm this bald English guy dying. But I'm, like, I'm, not, stop- I'm not stopping wearing this. So there's a certain element of relief when we lost to Orlando. I was in a polo the next game. But. Just me. <laughs> oh, no. I, I love that. Yeah, I think a lot of people's superstitions stuck with them through that. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think I think yeah. you've, you've laid out perfectly exactly what, like, this club has been building for is that all of the sort of behind the scenes, the unsung heroes are in place. The facilities, the, the support staff is all there that has led to this moment. But I think it's it's even more exciting as a fan, believe it or not, to like look forward that for the next couple of years now that this club is in good hands, that the runway isn't just we we cash it all in here and then everything goes to hell after after we win the championship, that everything is set up uh, to for long-term success. Do you do you think Cincinnati is now positioned to be the class of MLS and now finally has the trophies to go with it. Is that, is that what we're looking at here? Yeah, we'd like to think so. I mean, we're, we've always been an ambitious club. We have never, ever pretended we want anything less than to win the USL, to get in MLS, to, 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 to do really well in MLS. So we're, we're always ambitious. Um, Obviously there's really good competition. So, you know, I don't want to be naive and say, all right, we're here, we're going to be here forever because next year will be a whole new challenge and it'll be as as more difficult as more great players come into the league. But I think we're set up right now for sustained success because of the infrastructure of the club, the facilities that we have, the org organizational chart, so to speak, in terms of the the staff members we have in key positions. And then obviously, like I said, we've got excellent leaders at the top of our soccer tree, so to speak, with the, mm-hmm. the general manager and the the technical director and, and then the head coach and all the coaching staff. We're in a good place. I've been around long enough to know that things can change fast, so you can't ever um, get uh, too safe in your position because things can change fast in, in soccer. Do you know what I mean? We were what, one minute away from from beating Messi and being in the Open Cup final and then bang, it's it's a different story. And that's, that's the beauty of soccer, but it's also the cruelty of it. You know, that's why I think we're all so happy and relieved that we've got a piece of silverware. We've got a trophy because that's what you play for, right? And no matter what happens now, the 2023 season will be defined by at least being the Supporter Shield champion. And that's something we'll all be proud of. Yeah. And no, so what do you and yeah. so what do you what do you have to do in order to stay hungry and take the next step? And what is the next step for a club like FC Cincinnati after winning <clears throat> Supporter Shield? Well, when you've got a, a club president like Jeff Birding, you stay hungry. Do you know what I mean? Like you stay <laughs> you stay ambitious. That's that's Jeff's very nature. 
um i always remember like the first the first win we had um the first game we ever had at home and it was like we were like we had like very few employees and it was a late saturday night and we were like this is amazing we've done so well and i thought you know maybe the next day we'd have a bit of a victory lap kind of thing nope we were in for a first thing meeting and jeff instantly was like right next game we've got to go higher and we were all looking at each other like going, wow, I can't believe we just did what we just did, you know, but that's Jeff's mentality. He's, he's very driven and he's very ambitious. And um, I believe what we've got to look at is that soccer's exploding in the US, the World Cup's coming. So it's only going to get bigger and bigger. And we've just got to make sure we're positioned to be a club that can take advantage of the the growth of the game in this country because it's only going to get more exciting. More players will come here and um, we've just got to make sure we're in the mix every year because winning is everything. At the end of the day, a full TQL, a winning team, Saturday nights in the summer, it's our it's our magic uh, thing, you know. Like when we have that rocking, we're it, we're hard to beat. Oh, absolutely love it. I I also want to say too, like as somebody who used to be more involved with it, is now a little little on the outside here with the uh, supporters groups and their communication and, and working with the uh, the club. I will say, at least from the outside, it looks to be so much better than it was the last couple of years. Things seem to be going well. And I guess my only request is, and and maybe maybe we, we take this offline for a, a brainstorming session, how do we get the rest of the stadium to shalala with the Bailey? Because I'll tell you, like, after we score a goal, that is the greatest moment. Like, it's almost yeah. better than the goal itself is yeah. watching the Bailey celebrate it. Yeah. <laughs> she knows. I mean, I, I've been on about this for about a year now. In the For me, I agree with you, Kevin. When we score, and we now have named it, I believe, the Shalala, right? We couldn't come yeah. up with anything better, so it's the Shalala. I think it's cool, <laughs> though, to be fair. Keep um, it simple. <laughs> simple, yeah. But it's such an epic moment, and I've been telling people, this is the thing. Like, when we score, this is it's amazing. And now I think people are starting to slowly see yeah. it and, and get it done. And I think maybe here, maybe tomorrow, or certainly in the playoffs, it might be the moment where the whole stadium does it. But oh, I love that it, you know, it just happened. It's organic. It's all like all the best things we've ever done. It's just, it happens. It's it's the magic and you just can't force it. Um, but I agree with you that one of the one of the best things that I've enjoyed this year more than anything on the field is the march coming back. Mm-hmm. And the can and and just working with the supporter groups and the team to say, we'd really love the march to enter the stadium a little bit earlier so we can create that um, overall atmosphere when the players come out because they love that. And like our record at home is unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? We've done so well. And I just think it's everybody in the stadiums contributing to that. And uh, yeah, it's been very rewarding this year working with the supporter groups. I know me and Jeff Smith, Kate Solomon, um, uh, uh, people who've been with the club right from the start basically have have really enjoyed it and I think we're the right people maybe to communicate with the supporter groups because I think maybe we have the track record and, and and we've been there through all the ups and downs so I think we have the trust do you know what I mean where if we say hey we've got you back we'll do this then I think there's there's kind of trust within the group that they know we'll go away and get it done yeah so when you talk yeah. about the ups and the downs and all this, 
were there ever parts in the downs where you thought maybe it's just not going to work here in Cincinnati, that maybe we made it to MLS and that was our accomplishment, that asking for anything more than that might just be too much? It's a, that's an unbelievable question. And, and, and I don't want to come across as like this guy who just felt this would all happen because there's no question that I, I remember there was a game when the stadium, we were losing 2-0 and... We just couldn't score. It was about three or four minutes to go. The the, the people were already leaving. Um, we lost the ball in midfield. They went down the other end and scored. And I just felt the groans. And I was in the bit middle of the both benches, kind of where I watched the last 10 minutes. And I walked back into the tunnel club and I just basically almost like just laid down on the floor. I was just like, this is this just can't be what we have done. This is, I, I felt it like deep. I felt responsible um, that we've, we've created this, this unbelievable movement and with all this positivity that's impacting people's lives and we've let it slip through our fingers. And I, honestly, like pain, I can't <laughs> even, you, you, it's hard for me to describe it. I'd imagine Jeff Birding felt it. I know Jeff Birding felt it. I, I know Jeff Smith felt it. It was pain. Like, I can't even describe it. It physically hurt. Um, on Sundays, waking up after the games, just awful. Mm. So, yeah, coming back strong is, is, is there's some really powerful feelings there because those few years hurt. They hurt our pride. We're very, like, prideful people behind the scenes. Like, we care passionately, but we're ambitious. We feel we're winners. Do you know what I mean? So to answer your question, did I ever quit everything once about quitting? Never. Did I ever think it was forever that we'd be bad? No, but I can promise you in those dark days, it physically hurt me. I can only speak for myself. And sort of as a follow up to that too, sort of a follow up to that as well. The club support stuck with it to a degree that I just don't think you see in other professional sports teams in Cincinnati or even other MLS teams. What do you think it was that kept the support believing that this would turn around? And so that you didn't really have to rebuild from nothing like other MLS clubs have, that that level, that base level of support was still there to build on when you got the right people in place on the soccer side. Well, I have a theory and I'm an Irishman. My dad's from Ireland. So I'm a little bit of a romantic fellas. I believe personally that the city and our support and our club, we all fell in love in those early years, in those first two or three years. I think it was love at first sight from us to you and you to us and everyone together. It was love. And you never forget your love. You never forget someone you're in love with, right? And I think that passion and that chemistry souls through the darkest of dark days. (laughs) But on the flip side, when it turned, I feel that the love just came gushing back. Do you know what I mean? From us to you and you to us all together. And I think that's what's happened this year. I think that the feeling was, the connection was so strong in those first three years that it was just enough to get us through those three years of hell. And now we're we're back where we should be. But I think that's what's different with us, our club, than a lot of other clubs in MLS that just happen. They don't have that initial like togetherness. 
Do you know what I mean? Like I thought when we went on that mad US Open Cup run um, back in 2017, that was all of us just like together. Yeah. There wasn't any like grandiose. It was just a, a crazy thing in all of our lives. Like this is just it's happening. You know what I mean? And um, like as it's happening, you guys in the Bailey were like over my shoulder. Like we were all experiencing it together. But that brought us together, and I think we just had just about enough love and passion for this project that when it turned around, we were still all on the train. Do you know what I mean? Does that does that make sense? God, that makes perfect you make, sense. You make me start crying here. Right. Oh, man, I get emotional. I'm, I, I get emotional. I'm, I'm a nightmare for all this stuff. Everyone knows I'm like the worst. You know. So, so the, some people who who maybe didn't maybe weren't listening in your first appearance may not know that that you're the guy who coined the Bailey originally, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, something I've really enjoyed this year that's kind of on theme with the Bailey, and I'm surprised how much I've enjoyed it, <clears throat> is the pulling the sword out of the uh, out of the stone before yeah. the game. And um, I'm wondering, you know, now from this point forward, are we going to add a shield? Does the person pulling the sword get to hold a shield now? Pretty cool. I, I, everything, nothing's ever off the table. We, we'll discuss anything. But again, I think it's been the Bailey to me is is the heartbeat of the club. I am well aware that there is three other sides to the stadium and, and people are, you know, just as huge fans of our club in those seats. My family sits in those seats, you know what I mean? But the Bailey's the heartbeat of the club, in my opinion, I can tell in those three years where things weren't going as well, you could see all the the empty parts of the Bailey. Yeah, Has there been a more depressing sight? I don't. I can't remember it. You know what I mean? It's like if the Bailey's full, I just feel we're healthy. And, mm-hmm. and this year, it's kind of come back. And uh, yeah, there's pulling the sword. You know what I mean? It's like uh, I think it's been fun personally. I think we've had some great moments with it. I mean, it's something mm-hmm. that'll grow and it'll take on its own thing and. Um, yeah, there's still some candidates out there. So, I've got a few ideas, by the way. But yeah, I, got idea. Idea. I got a couple so, ideas somebody, too. Somebody yeah. on this podcast right now, I think, would be a great choice. Uh, exactly. I'm up for that. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I don't think we've had anyone on the club that we could ask about the sword and the shield pull. Just go take us through how that became part of part of it. And 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 you know, I might I might get this wrong, but in my mind. Part of it was to do with we wanted to, you know, a lot of our off-season work um, behind the scenes was recognizing that uh, the importance of the Bailey, making sure the march is all is back to what it was. I I know I spoke passionately. Jeff Smith spoke passionately in in kind of leadership meetings about the one thing we're missing right now, and this is a, a year ago, eighteen months ago, is that we've lost that important connection between. Um, our you know hardcore supporters in the Bailey and, and our front office and our club and our team and it's I we Jeff Smith and I just felt it was just the most important thing to um, repair so that's what we really leaned in on and and then ideas started springing well how can we you know showcase the Bailey more and obviously you get the video with me every game where I'm talking about <laughs> how we named the Bailey um, you know. But again, that was another one that we had to keep going because we kept winning. And I'm like, I may, I mean, we can't stop playing it until we lose, you know. So probably they're sick of me now. That, that'll get gone. But um, that's why it kept going. But 
you know, the sword pull is something in terms of like, I think MLS would like clubs to have some form of ritual. They they want that kind of. And then we, I I said that I think our ritual is the march. Our rit- we got so many like club rituals, but this was just an idea to take something a little bit fun, in like re-engage the pre-game environment as well. And, um, you know, with the Bailey, the medieval theme, the sword and everything. And I love it because you can bring people back that the Bailey loves and have them do the sword. And it's cool. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's good. I mean, I'm good friends with Paul Nicholson, uh, Nico, and we, you know, he coaches at King's Hammer now, my boys playing King's Hammer. And uh, I can't tell you, he was so nervous before he sword pulled it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was, he did I was so told... well. He did so well. It was awesome. You know, yeah. I was thrilled to see him. Cause I love, I love, the opportunities to bring back, you know, the, oh, the GB coming back. That was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd say with Jimmy, it was funny because um, we were talking about who should pull the sword. And uh, I can't remember if it was Jeff or me or one of us said in a staff meeting, well, we got to bring Jimmy back. And Jeff was like, Dan, find Jimmy. You know how it happened is, I'll just tell you how we found him. Please. I'm friends with him on Facebook. And I'm, <laughs> so we, we were going back and forth and, and it all was dead easy. And he was at the AC hotel when uh, he, he got there from the flight and I went to pick him up to bring, bring to TQL. And uh, the elevator opened up and there's Jimmy, full shades, looked like the coolest man in the world. I'm like, Jimmy! And he's like, Dan! And it was like, these oh. meetings, we haven't seen each other oh. for years, you know, and uh, he loved it. He was awesome. He was just like... Yeah. Not a, not an. He just was like, "What do I do? You pull the sword, okay? I'll take care of it." You know, and it was brilliant. <laughs> Are you able to give us your dream sword puller? You know, if if you could mag- wave a magic wand and make this happen, who would uh, you bring? Well, on? I have a few. The thing is, in that I wouldn't want to say it because I won't put want to put anyone under pressure to do it. Fair, but. I would really like a few people from the 2016 season. There's a few names I have that I think would be magnificent to do it. Um, a reconnecting moment with our club, a reconnecting moment with a Bailey. Um, and, and I think that's all the history, right? The 2016 team, there's so much has happened since that. But I still think, uh, I know Jimmy's, Jimmy McLaughlin, I think he's pulled the sword like three times. Mm-hmm. He's always on He's always on call, Jimmy, to do it. <laughs> But we've had Jimmy, we've had Nico, um, but there's a few other guys from that team that I would, uh, I'd love to see do it, you know, because I think they, you know, where would we be without them? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we yeah. would we be in tomorrow night before. without those guys. I, I don't think so. Yeah. We were talking before the Open Cup game that yeah, there'd be worse choices than Mitch Hildebrandt, given the history of the Open Cup in Cincinnati. Not that anyone disliked all the Bengals being there, but just yeah. <laughs> I love this idea of honoring the history of the yes. club from the USL era. And maybe I, when they don't, yeah, maybe I, I when agree. they're not I think obviously a name that's been mentioned. There's a few <laughs> yeah. others as well. Yeah, we just need him to quit his his day job, I think, before yeah. we can bring him in. <laughs> yeah, I've got one that I'm keeping in my back pocket that I think could be unbelievable, but maybe oh. for next year. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, you've you've answered this. I, I had this one in the back of my mind, but we've been sort of asking ourselves this question: Was it worth it? 
were the rough seasons, the last place finishes worth it to get here? I I personally think you, you needed to bottom out in order to get the changes necessary to get us to here. But I'm I'm curious what your perspective is on this. Well, yeah, I think just like anything in life, to really appreciate the good times, you have to experience the bad times, and um, that's not just soccer. That's anything, right? Is in in your life. Um, and, and we definitely experienced three tough years in the middle of COVID. It couldn't have been darker times for us, but um, we came through it. I'd like to think we learned an awful lot. Um, and sometimes you learn the most from mistakes, right? I mean, that's just the way the way it goes. And um, yeah, I think it's it's almost more rewarding now. But I think to your your point, Kevin, I think you could argue that if we hadn't have gone so low, we might not have reached so high. Do you know what I mean? Like we, there may have been a middle ground that we could have kind of just, you know, kept going along. But I think because we went low, now it, the push was to just we got we got to get all the way back. So, yeah, I think it's yeah. a hard question to answer. And yeah. really, all you can really know is like this is where we are now, right? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and enjoy it because it's a cruel game. Is soccer like you yeah. never know what's going to happen, ever? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I, can, I guess I can ask you this question. This is being debated by the fan base as well. Ooh. Now that you've won the Shield, does that mean you're allowed to be disappointed if we don't win MLS Cup? Or is this like, is your right to complain now like cut off because we've won the Shield? I, I've always said this and I've always felt this is that even when we were getting absolutely destroyed on Twitter and social media in the in the dark days, I consider that personally, I don't want to speak for anyone else. I think when people speak about you, it's because they care almost. Do you know what I mean? Like if if no one, if people didn't care, then that's the worst. Do you know what I mean? Like that means there's no passion, that there's no emotion or any or anything. I mean, so I, I take that all the good and the bad. But I think when it comes to the playoffs, this is my opinion. I couldn't never speak for Chris or Pat, but it's very much one game at a time, I think. I think we'll have to build it back up one game at a time. Um, it's, it'll be a different set of circumstances. Uh, the variable is that obviously we'll be at home. Um, TQL's an unbelievable home environment. Um, how will that impact the other team, though? Do you know what I mean? Having to come to play us. But I think it's it's almost you've got to look at it like a new season and you've just got to take it you know, baby steps, one step at a time and, and let it build its own energy. And um, I think if we're, if we're, you know, at, at our best and the TQL is, is, is rocking, then we're going to be a hard team to beat, I think. But yeah, hard, hard to predict playoffs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the cruelty of American sports. <laughs> I just yeah. love, love, love putting it up to, to chance at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh well, Dan, you've been incredibly generous with your time. I don't know if anybody well, has. Please. I have please, one last Chief. one. Please. When that shield gets passed up to the stage at TQL on Wednesday, what's going to be going through your mind? Yeah. Relief <laughs> for me. What, that nobody Relief. dropped it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. <I> just, <laughs> um, relief and pride, I think, will be relief in that um, we kind of reestablished ourselves as, as a force in us soccer and, and, and relief that we've, we pulled it all together again after three really tough years. And then just huge pride in everything that we've created, the journey that we've all been on 
And then uh, really, for me, I, the happiness that it gives everyone, that, that's what I love more than anything. And I'm not alone in that. I think a lot of people in our club feel the same. It's just the joy it brings. There's nothing better. It's just brilliant, you know, and um, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be really cool, emotional and uh, fun fun night, I think, tomorrow. And uh, for all of us, though, everyone who's been with us, whether it's been for a year or eight years, um, everyone should enjoy it tomorrow. Oh. Well, as a fan of this team, Dan, I want to say thank you so much for all of the hard work that's been put in to get us to this point. It has made the shit talking online so much easier now that we've got some silverware behind us. <laughs> so, call it banter. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so we, we got some, you know, weapons grade banter these days. So yeah. I, I love it. And I, I very much appreciate all the work you, your team uh, has put into getting us to this moment. And I want to say thank you again for your time and, and coming on the podcast tonight. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, we are back. And again, huge thanks to Dan for coming on the postcast again. Cut him sort of last second there. And it was just somebody that we we really wanted to have reflect on this moment. And Chief, I know you were like me, uh, tearing up a little bit on that one. And just talking about the uh, the love for this community and this and this club, the mutual love there. Oh, I could you could see him in the interview tearing up. I mean, he was tearing up so much he was, you know, referring to me by my twin brother's name for most of the interview. Um, <laughs> Don't know what that's all about, but got it's you don't want to get sappy in front of a, a guest. And I'm positive he will never listen to this part. But if he does, I really, really hope that he enjoyed every minute of what happened on Wednesday night or what's going to happen on Wednesday night, because that dude, if there's one guy in this organization that deserves his flowers for what he has done mostly anonymously to the casual fan base in this club. It's Dan McNally. There is no one more directly responsible for the way the supporters operate in the stadium. Mm -hmm. No bigger advocate for the supporters. No bigger advocate for letting soccer be soccer in this city and not let it be gimmicky or or kitschy. It, it, it it's Dan McNally that is the heart and soul and the conscience of this club. And I hope to God he had a blast on that at that game on Wednesday. I hope he got very drunk afterwards and celebrated. <laughs> or if he chose to get quietly drunk somewhere, I hope he had a great night, whatever that was, because he deserved it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And again, huge, huge thank you to him for I think there's uh, a lot of people coming on. There's a lot of people in the club, and I hope we get the chance to highlight highlight some more of them who operate more or less anonymously. Yeah. But like, if you feel any connection to the club as a fan, uh, whether it's a new fan this year or going back to the beginning of MLS or going back to USL days, it really is owing so much to, to people like Dan and others like him who have been with this organization for a number of years and, you know, are real stewards of the connection that the team has with with this city. Yeah. Kevin yeah. and I have been really fortunate over the course of the years to kind of be a little behind the curtain on some of this stuff. And it was hard during the years. And I got a little choked up listening to Dan talk about that, just thinking about, you know, my time with the club and 
I seem like I don't take a lot of shit seriously, but like they all cared and it hurt yeah. watching a lot of those people, what they had built and the amount that they, that this city and that club had had grinded behind the scenes with a lot of people whose names you're never going to know. Some of them you do. Some of them you don't. But to watch just everything just not work and just comically not work year after year after year. It's easy to be mad online. And God knows I've been mad online. But there were real people that were just like, why can't we get out of our own way? Yeah. And I'm just really happy they figured it out because <laughs> I yeah. don't know how much more a lot of them had in them if there were a couple more seasons like 2021. That that is true. And I know Jeff got plenty of flack for this analogy and probably rightfully so uh, talking about getting getting this club to MLS was like climbing Mount Everest and not everybody could make it. Uh, guys like Dan made it <laughs> and and deserved all of the uh, all of the praise and, and all of the accolades for getting us uh, to this point. So, yeah, thank you uh, again to Dan. Uh, which leads us to the second to last game, the penultimate game of the 2023 regular season for FC Cincinnati against one Inter Miami, a team that, wow, sure looked real different the last time we saw them. Uh, I'm getting reports. I'm saying I'm getting reports. I saw on Twitter uh, that they had something of 12 international call-ups coming up uh, for Miami. It's not clear exactly who or what is going to be on the field against FC Cincinnati by the time we get to that one. Grayson, I, I always lean on you for these types of questions. What what sort of Miami team should we expect on this one? Boy, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think I think we'll we'll learn a lot about well, so I think we Well, it's a peek behind the curtain. <laughs> the Wednesday games haven't happened yet. Yeah. So we're still kind of waiting on a lot of player statuses that are up in the air at the time of recording. Yeah. Um, I know I saw maybe Campana is going to be out. Um, Campana has been a really important player for them. Yeah. Um, down the stretch. And so he would be a big miss. I think Jordi Alba is out for longer term. Um, I'm not a, I don't know about what else is going on with the team, but <laughs> anybody, uh, anybody else that we're forgetting? I don't know. Is Busquets going to play? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, mm. But who knows how good Busquets is going to be without Campana to pass to? It's true. Um, it, those those sweet sweet passes do need somebody to run onto in order to be effective. Twelve call ups feels wild. <laughs> I imagine that they were going to. I imagine that they would all be after. The, yeah. the 14th, because I think the window doesn't start until the 15th or 16th, technically. Yeah. So they don't have to be released. But um, it's possible. It's I mean, the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. They have they have more games left. Like, I think one more game left than everybody else. Mm hmm. So. You know, they still have. Some time, but. The time is ticking for them to pick up points. Yeah, man. What so a different, yeah. What a difference a month makes, man. Like, you remember back after the Open Cup game when we're all sitting here just staring at one another, thinking, "Fuck, yeah. we're gonna have to play this Miami team again, <laughs> and we might need these points to win the Shield." 
and they may never lose ever again. Um, <laughs> I mean, keeping them out of the playoffs is, I think, a big enough incentive to to take oh, it seriously yeah. and beat them. Oh, my God. No, no. Not that the team is not going to take it seriously. Yeah, but. just just exacting revenge for what happened in the Open Cup. I don't care that the same players aren't on the field. It's it's personal at this point. Yep. Like you have beat to go them beat and, them. And as you're walking away, say, see you next year. You beat yeah. them and then you can say forever. See, this is what would have happened if they weren't allowed to break the rules in the summer. They would have gotten <laughs> dog walked. If we'd had Yersin Mascara. Oh, we would have won. We, we could still won. we could still win if Mike Pence only has the courage. <laughs> oh, God. Well, this is a, a weird one to even venture into the prediction world, because, as we said, the Wednesday games haven't happened yet. It's not exactly clear who's even available for either team. I mean, knowing FC Cincinnati, especially against Red Bulls, I mean, if half our team got yellow and red card suspensions, I really wouldn't be surprised. Um, so, yeah, that plus a little bit of rotating. Uh, who who knows exactly who will show up for this one? It, is, yet- important, it is important to point out, though, that this week, um, in sort of a course correction a little bit, mm-hmm. I think it, I did see online, I think it was either Laurel or Pat reported, that this that Noonan did confirm that he and Albright have talked and that they do want to set the points record. Yeah. Whereas in the past, there had been some talk about, well, we're not really focused on the points record. You know, now that they've won Shield, they are, let's say, because we're positive that way, that by the time you listen to this, we have beaten oh, New York, our hated rivals. <laughs> we'll record two versions of this podcast yeah hold on Just kevin pause <laughs> and by the time we record this podcast you've watched new york flop around like dead fish on the ground and completely ruined our chance at the points record but even <laughs> still you. i think they're going to want to win every game out i think they're going to win this game i am saying three nil to the good on this wow. one wow all right grayson what are you saying to the unknown here how does how does four two find you to the FC? I like it. I'm okay. I mean, I really like it now. <laughs> I was okay with it before. <laughs> with that caveat, then yes. Uh, give me two to nothing to the orange and blue against Miami in Miami. What I imagine will be a hot and muggy night in Fort Lauderdale. What Not do you think Miami? the resale value on those tickets are currently? Man. Did you I, see that about did you see that about Chicago? Let's talk about that for one second. I genuinely think it's a good move, and I kind of hope they would have done it regardless, but only because the Chicago market is so fucked. Can you that, can like you, can you describe what, the move? Yeah. What yeah. happened? Tell, okay. tell us about this. So I, I saw people online fuck this up. I saw people online saying, why did they move the game to Soldier Field? No. Well, it's always played in Soldier yes. Field. Chicago <laughs> Fire plays at Soldier Field. You, which shows you how little people follow Chicago Fire, that they and, genuinely don't know where the games are. And, probably, on, <laughs> and probably why they had to do this. Yeah. So they've been playing at Soldier Field for two years now. 61,000 people fit in there. They sold out their game this Saturday, or this Wednesday? Is it the Wednesday game? I don't it's know. Wednesday, Wednesday, game. They, Wednesday game, yeah. We're okay. playing them Saturday. 
That's a good point. It'd be hard for them to play both of those games. Okay. Uh, the Wednesday game, uh, Miami's visiting Chicago. They sold it out. The prices were very, very high because a certain Argentine celebrity was expected to play in this game. However, he is hurt. And Why I would Anya they... Taylor-Joy be playing in this game? <laughs> They're huge Tata Martino fans, okay? <laughs> so they... Not that he's playing, but, you know, it's brilliant masterclass tactician there. The Queen's uh, game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they all go to watch the chess match. Um, so they sold out the uh, the the game with extremely high ticket prices, and yet the likely instigating factor for why people bought those tickets is not going to be playing now. So what the Chicago Fire did is they said, okay, everybody who bought a ticket to this game, 61,000 people, you now have a $250 credit for season tickets next year, or $50 off one single game ticket next year if you are already a season ticket holder or are, for whatever reason, unable to buy a season ticket. Which, for 61,000 people that are presumably mostly local, Chicago is a fairly big town, they, they would draw well in a town that cared about the Chicago Fire, um, that's a big move to potentially be getting, I don't know, however many people they get to have on there. However, it does also kind of sort of feel like a refund for everybody who bought these tickets expecting to see a certain player who is now not going to. This is kind of a way of making good on something that I don't think legally they're in any way, shape, or form obligated to make good on, but buying a bit of goodwill. Having said they, that, I was going to say that before you give the Chicago Fire too much credit, yeah. I would be willing to bet they have the math on hand and they know that the overwhelming number of people that would be claiming said refund are ticket brokers, ticket scalpers that have absolutely no interest ever in buying a season ticket to the Chicago Fire. And that the people who are actually the holders of these tickets who bought them off various secondhand secondary market sites are most likely ineligible to claim this particular <laughs> refund. That's an I don't know about point. that, but that's an interesting point. Um, I, I would also add that they have announced a surprise oh, yeah. halftime musical guest. And I want to know, what would be the funniest halftime musical guest that you guys could think of? Is this how we give away the Empanadas Box gift card? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, my vote is for the Jim Ursay band, which if you're not familiar, is Jim Ursay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, has a band that he has had play uh the uh, the stadium there in Indiana. Farm Aid as well this past this past weekend was he really oh yeah <laughs> there you go that's my answer Jim Mercy's band <laughs> that's having <laughs> having just heard the Jim Mercy band <laughs> uh, what do you what do you think Chiefs? are funny <laughs> I mean Nickelback just really seems like a great play in this space but that's really played so I'm gonna say Limp Biscuit. I think that that would just really that level of anger that Fred Durst commands. Whoa. OK, yeah, yeah. I would see I would see Limp Bizkit tomorrow. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> uh, my brother recently saw them and uh, loved every second of that show. So there you go. Uh, my, answer, my answer is Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Put him in a stadium like populated in large part by uh, South Americans and other Latinos. He'll love see it. How he, see, how he, <laughs> see how he acts. This is your time, man. You got a captive audience. Preach. <laughs> so, how about Wheeler Walker Jr.? Just really fit the vibe of the... <laughs> Who do we actually think it is? And it has to be Pitbull, right? Who's planning like, on being in for the game is the real question. So it's probably mm. some celebrity that was already planning on being at the game to see he who must not be named. The, the band like Pit- Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it should be like the Blues Brothers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dan Aykroyd and, and, and Jim Belushi. <laughs> Surprise. It's, <laughs> it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. But it's not funny, but it's not (laughs) man. Well, 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 weird weird Al would be a fun one. (laughs) 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 Here's the other thing. Here's here's the other thing. And we don't have to we don't have to go here. But I'm like, who would you actually be happy to see? Like, who who could trot out? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. the doors. Jim Morrison turns out he's not dead. That's <laughs> how we're revealing that Jim Morrison never died. Well, I mean, they just it's... caught Tupac's murderer, so maybe he's comfortable finally returning from retirement. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe he's been in hiding this whole time. Uh, I'd be or pretty the, happy uh, to see Foo Fighters. They just Foo Fighters. They're playing the uh, Great American Ballpark, so they're obviously year, they're yeah. comfortable with stadiums. Yeah. Uh, I do like that the Chicago Fire got a halftime act before MLS Cup, which. I don't think it's ever had a halftime performance. So, I mean, if there's one band that really owes the city of Chicago, it's probably Dave Matthews. <laughs> there you are. Unfortunate incident with the tour bus toilet, but. <laughs> but I think you only get about partway through one song in the eight minutes that they'll have to run up on a temporary stage and then immediately run off. Who is who is even from Chicago? This is where Jonah would have been really helpful. Right. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people, I just, you know, I'm not a Chicago, I'm not a Chicago person. Okay. I'll say it. No, me neither. I don't, I don't think Chicago is a great town. I think that everything that's in Chicago is better someplace else in America. If you want the experience of Chicago, you can get it with better weather in New York. You can get it with equally shitty weather and more history in Boston, or you can go down to DC and just get everything better by going there instead. Well, I don't, or you can just enjoy yourself. And go to L.A. and have a great time <laughs> the entire time. Or if or you want to have like a, you want to have the Chicago experience, but dangerous, you just go to Florida. You go to Tampa or Miami. Right, right. And not or dangerous just, in terms of like crime or anything like that. Just dangerous in terms of what you can get yourself into if you're in Florida and you're, you know, not appropriately ready for the decisions you may or may not be making. Oh, or another Midwestern city, you know, they all sort of run together at a certain point. So, uh, Chief Grayson, I think that's a postcast. This is one of our shorter ones we've done in a long time. I mean, Chief, we got a party to go to tomorrow. Well, let's be do there? this. Let's, I mean, I'm not going to be editing this. I'll tell you that much. All right. Well, then fuck Columbus. Let's get out of here.
thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and as well you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, you've made it to the end so i'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button please like us review us subscribe to us wherever you are getting your podcast that is going to be really really helpful but more importantly share this with a friend a personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further so please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an fc cincinnati fan an mls fan somebody that you think would enjoy this pass it on over Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.